you've lost probably 80 to 90% of your purchasing power since the 1970s. And gold is the metal that always shows us this over time. It's done it for 5,000 years. So in other words, what would you do? Take the flip side of that coin. Rob, we've got high inflation. How do I stop inflation robbing me of my lifestyle? How do I stop inflation not helping me to increase my wages? Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keith with GoldSilverPros.com. Thank you for joining the program. It is Thursday, August 17th, 2023. Today, I wanted to talk about wages and how are wages doing when compared with inflation? Have wages kept up? Well, I've got some interesting information for you. I'm going to talk about why the only solution for crashing wages over time is gold and its cousin silver. We'll get into that in a moment, but I wanted to present you the data. This is a question I get asked a lot, and it's something that showed up on our forum. As you guys know, we're administering a forum on Reddit called United for Sound Money. This forum is put there for uh, stackers and gold and silver people, backers of asset-backed digital currencies, anybody that likes gold and silver in any form uh, for you guys uh, to go and discuss. And we're doing pretty well. Been out for a couple of months. We've got some members here. One of our member posted this really cool graphic. It is from Pew Research Center. And uh, this is the member. Thank you very much. BGDV378. This is a very frequent poster on our forum. Posts a lot of great information. And you can see here that America's paychecks are bigger than 40 years ago, but their purchasing power hasn't budged, according to Pew Research Center. Uh, data for wages uh, came from private non-farm payrolls, constant $28. Uh, and so forth, and the sources, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And it says down here, our hourly wage is now 806% larger than it was in 1964, but we can only afford to buy just a small, a very tiny amount more than what we could back in 1964. And I thought, hmm, well, let's go look at some other official data sources and see if that's true. And of course, I first place I thought, let's go to the government and see what the government numbers have. We're here at the St. Louis Fed, the Fred database, and we're looking at median usual weekly earnings, wage and salary workers, 16 and over. So I think that encapsulates most of the earnings in the economy. And you can see, you know, dating back, I've got it basically 1979 uh, because that's the data set I want to focus on. That gives us about, what is that, about 44 years worth of data. And you can see in 1979, the CPI adjusted dollars, uh, the, the wages, median usual uh, wages across the economy was 335 bucks. So per week, the average person in 1979 was making $335. Well, this is inflation adjusted. You can see here CPI adjusted dollars. So they're discounting for inflation. So we're, they've added inflation back in the government's inflation number. You can see now quarter two of this year, we're at 365. So we've added $30 a paycheck when accounted for inflation. That seems to agree with the Pew Research, although it gives you a little bit more than Pew Research, but not much. In other words, yeah, wages have gone up more than inflation just a tad, but not much. Well, actually don't agree with this inflation number for a couple of reasons. As you guys know, the inflation number by the government has been changed multiple times. A big change occurred between the 1980s and 1990, when in 1990, they started introducing uh, different variances. And then it was also changed again years after that. Now, some of the changes, if you had read my book when I published it 13, 14 years ago, 
we had a chapter on this chapter two, 50 pages, where I broke down all of the changes to all the main data points the government uses. One of those was inflation or CPI. And the CPI has been changed over the years by a bunch of different adjustments or four main adjustments, main types of adjustments. And then within that, they'll move that scale back and forth the government has over the years. Uh, there's hedonic adjustments, there's geometric weighting, there's a couple other things in there, terms that they use to basically justify how even though prices are going up, they don't really account, account for that increase in prices in the CPI. So in other words, if you're looking at government inflation numbers, between 1980 and now, there have been two major types of adjustments and the numbers have, have been adjusted up and down by the government quite a bit over the last 50 years. So the reason why you can't count on this chart from Fred is because it's using three different methodologies in one chart. It's kind of like saying, well, I want to compare the prices of something in 1980 using this index and then 1990 using a different index and 2000 using a different index, but you don't account for the differences in the index itself. In other words, you're not accounting for the math changes on how they get to the numbers. You're just looking at the numbers. So I believe that inflation has been very much understated since uh, before 1980 when we're using a common measure. 1980, we're using common measures and they've been changed. And this is something I documented in my book using government numbers and a bunch of other subsequent studies done by independent analysis and researchers. That's why that chapter in my book was 50 pages. It's the longest one in the book because the government numbers are the one that go through the most changes and the ones that are probably the least easy to use over time. You cannot compare CPI in 1980 with CPI and now. It's simply a different methodology. It's like they changed the equation. It's like they went from a simple two plus two equation to some gigantic algebra quadratic equation with a bunch of variables in it. You're not going to get the same results across periods. And what you really have to do is do something that my friend John Williams at ShadowStats has done, shadowstats.com. He has taken inflation numbers and adjusted for the changes in the 1990s here in this top chart and the 1980s based on the bottom chart. Now, since we're comparing back to 1979, we got to use the bottom chart where everything is calculated using the 1980 formula. So in other words, if you use the same formula over time, then you can compare period to period. If you don't do that, if you go by the government's one, the, the, like I said, the formula is different. You know, if you were putting a different type of gas in your car from, you know, last week to this week, let's say you use regular unleaded, but you should have been using premium. So the regular unleaded not only could have damaged your car, but maybe you got worse gas mileage. But now you finally this week are like, oh, dummy, you know, I have a nice car. It requires premium. Let me put premium here. And your gas mileage all of a sudden goes up. You get more mileage for your buck. Well, because you were using a different formula of gasoline. It works the same way with government numbers. When you change the formula, it doesn't allow you to compare the results. You may get different gas mileage there. You may have a very worse number. So by using his number, we can see here that this blue line is quite a bit higher in terms of total inflation, accounting for all the numbers the same way, using the same formula. So if you go back to the 70s numbers that we have here and you use the same formula across, you find that inflation rates were much higher than stated in the CPI number. And so if you do that, we don't get that 30 boost in average or median wages for the U.S. consumer. It's actually gone down because look at how much it's changed. Like if you look at, say, what happened in 2020 
uh, during the pandemic, the the inflation before the pandemic was over 15 percent by his numbers, closer to 17, whereas the government had it, what, seven, eight percent, you know, so there it's almost double. So in times of where inflation may rise precipitously uh, and that's from like 2020 on, we restarted the economy after the pandemic to give it the right period. Prices went up. Remember all that inflation we were talking about after the pandemic and we tried to, you know, restart our economy and inflation just kind of went crazy. Um, the government had it down here, but using 1980 numbers is up here. So if you're comparing how much people have earned, whether you're using the Pew Research numbers or you're using the, the Fred numbers or the, the Fed's numbers, this one is BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is by uh, Fred, but I think it's also um, also just Bureau of Labor Statistics. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics didn't necessarily change their, their accounting method. But if you do shout stats, you, we have much higher inflation. So these people today are actually earning less, I suspect, because inflation rates have been much higher if you use the same formula across time. And the reason why I like 1980s, people say, well, why don't you use the government's current formula and go back in time and run the numbers back in time? Do all the calculations yourself. Because as I explained in chapter two of my book, the government basically says, if you're eating chicken instead of steak, we don't account for inflation in steak because you're choosing to eat chicken. Well, yeah, but what if I wanted to eat steak? The government, in other words, is making a qualitative choice instead of just capturing the quantitative change. In other words, they're saying because you're choosing a lesser product, we don't actually have to account for inflation in the product you gave up. But it was the inflation in the product you gave up was the reason you gave it up. And your quality of life just went down because maybe you want steak or maybe you were driving a truck before and now you got a car. You know, or maybe you lived in a bigger house before and now you live in a smaller house or in an apartment. OK, so so the government's numbers aren't really fair in terms of tracking quality of life. But if you look at shadow stats, this number actually tracks quality of life. And the higher this number is, the higher inflation is, the lower your quality of life, because the higher inflation, the higher prices rise, the less you can buy. So the bigger this number gets on the chart, the less you can actually buy. And so when his numbers are higher on inflation, using that formula it means you buy less stuff and you have to substitute and do other things and the government has to fiddle with the numbers here and their hedonic adjustments geometric weighting like how much are things weighted in the economy they have to play around with the numbers to get this number here but that's not the accurate number because they wouldn't have to make those adjustments if we simply lived the same quality of life as we did before so the government numbers kind of cover up the fact that not only have the wages not risen that much the wages don't buy you the same quality of life or the same quality of goods and services that they did before. That part of it, which is a very big part of it, is not accounted for in this chart. So if you previously have been buying steak and now you're buying chicken, that's not in this chart. If you couldn't afford your house and had to sell it and move to a smaller one or live in an apartment or live with your mom and dad or your friends, this chart doesn't account for that. This chart doesn't account for the fact that most Americans can't afford to buy the average three-bedroom, two-bath house in the United States, which, which is a fact. If you look at the Case-Shiller home prices, the average person cannot afford to buy a starter home now. That's why millennials are not buying homes. They can't afford a starter home, much less a really nice one. Okay, that's a difference in quality of life. Quality of life is not reflected in this chart, ladies and gentlemen, but it sure as heck is here. This gap between these two numbers is the quality of life adjustment that the government doesn't want you to know about. But how do we know about quality of life? How could we say, well, the government CPI numbers are wrong, Rob. How much do wages actually buy us over time? 
What is the grand indicator, ladies and gentlemen? It's gold. Gold has always been the measure of inflation in an economy, the measure of the amount of destruction that the government does to your fiat dollar over time is measured in what? It's gold. So if we look at a gold chart and go back to 1979, wow, we were somewhere around a thousand bucks in 1979. All of a sudden we're up to 19, oh, today it's, you know, low 1900s, but we got as high as, what was it, 2064, 2067, whatever that number was during the pandemic. It's been hovering between 1900 and 2000 here for the better part of a couple of years with, you know, a couple of pullbacks. So gold has almost doubled in that time. It's gone up, I would say, safely 80 to 90% without actually doing the calculation. It's gone up 80 to 90%. And this is, by the way, inflation adjusted. <laughs> okay. So your wages, they say, well, your wages have gone up $30 if you consider CPI inflation. But we know because of all the modifications to lifestyle that the government made to try to keep this number down, to hide the amount of lifestyle that you gave up by changing those numbers, the only way to really know how much you've lost in your lifestyle is to check a gold chart. You've lost probably 80 to 90% of your purchasing power since the 1970s. And gold is the metal that always shows us this over time. It's done it for 5,000 years. So in other words, what would you do? Take the flip side of that coin. Rob, we've got high inflation. How do I stop inflation robbing me of my lifestyle? How do I stop inflation not helping me to increase my wages? How do I stop inflation allowing the government to hide all the nice things that I had to give up just to be able to afford rent and food and clothing, Rob? How do we do that? Well, you buy what, ladies and gentlemen? You buy gold. And I've got a special type of gold for you today. This is investment grade jewelry. This comes from a company called Monet. They're not a sponsor. I'm just mentioning them. This is 24 karat pure gold, $99.99, if you will. This is the same as a, a 24 karat or a 99.99 gold sovereign coin. It's just in jewelry format. Yes, you can buy it that way. And the markup on this is actually pretty good. I think I bought this for 20% over spot price. You'll have to go check their prices. I'm not advertising for them, but you can buy this too, just like you can buy a gold coin. Or if you don't have enough money for this, you know, gold's around 1900, 1950, you know, current times. If you can't pay for an ounce of that, that's just too much for your budget, you can get it's. You know, younger or I, younger is not the right word. It's cheaper cousin, but no less effective. That would be silver. This is an Austrian silver philharmonic coin put out by the Austrian mint. It is a gorgeous coin. I absolutely love it. This actually, when I first started collecting the sovereign mint coins, I liked these better than anything else. These are such a gorgeous design. I absolutely love them. I love them in the maple leaves. They're my two favorites, probably. Um, I like the American Eagle a lot. It's very symbolic, but honestly, those are the two I like the best. And then I like the American Eagle and the Kruger and the, um, the Britannia and all of those kind of right after that, kind of in that second tier. Those are all gorgeous, by the way. The UK coins are stunningly beautiful. They're stunningly beautiful. That mint over there has done just a fantastic job. Gorgeous coins, gorgeous coins. But in any case, that's what you buy. You buy the precious metals. That's the only way that you can stop the government from robbing the value of your wages. See, even though the government has been covering up for all of the lifestyle changes and downgrades that we have had to make as a society the last 50 years since the dollar was removed off of the gold standard by Nixon in 1971, this chart covers up all those changes, but shadow stats doesn't. It tells you what they are. 
And gold, what does it do? It tells you what they are. It's measuring the amount of destruction of your purchasing power, the loss of the value of your labor, your hours, your blood, sweat, and tears over time is measured in gold. And that's why gold is what you want to have if you want to save and not lose the value of your work over time due to inflation and prices caused by overprinting of the US dollar and that dollar hitting markets and causing prices to go up. Okay, that's what you do. Now I want to talk a moment about Kinesis because Kinesis is a show sponsor. And Kinesis, what that is, it's, it's a token, a gold and a silver token. They each have their own blockchain, but it's back one-to-one -one for gold and silver respectively. And it's audited quarterly now. And you can see that on Kinesis's webpage. And you can go to the Kinesis forums and they validate the blockchain. They're independent people validating. You know it's all legitimate. And Kinesis uses, you know, the question I get most about Kinesis, well, isn't that a crypto? Well, no, we've coined the term, our group at United uh, for Sound Money, this group right here that puts this on. By the way, this is sponsored by Citizens for Sound Money, a nonprofit organization uh, with the intent to advocate for the use of sound money in the United States and bring that back. Uh, um, essentially, uh, Kinesis, uh, is not a cryptocurrency. And this group coined the term asset-backed digital currency. That means you have a token, which runs on, on a, a fork or a version of Stellar blockchain, that that token is backed one-to-one -one for gold or silver, respectively. And I wanted to show you a Forbes article, which kind of proves this out. So there's a difference between a regular cryptocurrency like a Bitcoin or Ethereum. In this case, we're going to compare it to Ethereum and Stellar, which is what Kinesis' blockchain runs on. Kinesis is not a traditional cryptocurrency. It's backed by gold and silver. In fact, the Stellar uh, blockchain lacks some of the features that would make it a pure cryptocurrency, which I think in this case is an advantage. Now, in this article, uh, Forbes is just writing about what's the difference between Stellar and Ethereum. Ethereum is one of the most widely used. It's ERC-20 compliant. It's it, easy to get. If you're building on Ethereum, your, your crypto project, easy to get on exchanges. But Stellar is not. Stellar, on the other hand, now this is a writer for Forbes. Stellar, on the other hand, is entirely centered around trading any digital asset. What sets it apart from other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum or Bitcoin is that Stellar's coins aren't meant to hold value themselves. Instead, they're just a medium of exchange. So in other words, the value of Kinesis is not in the blockchain. There is value there because it helps us account. It's a unit of account. It's a medium of exchange. What's being exchanged when you send Kinesis back and forth? This, the value of Kinesis is in the one-to-one -one backing of these things, gold and silver. So I just want to clear that up. A lot of people ask me about Kinesis. Rob, is it a crypto? Rob, do you have to stake? Rob, do you have to run miners and, and create Kinesis? No. You know how you create Kinesis? You deposit this or you deposit gold. And that's how you create Kinesis. It's not like Bitcoin where you're creating you know, using a machine, use a lot of energy to generate uh, some some mathematical equations that somehow imputes value upon that coin. If you believe that that is value, that some computer over here used a bunch of energy, solved a bunch of math problems. Those math problems, by the way, didn't help us build a better space shuttle or build a better farm or increase our value of our lifestyle. It's just cranking through a hard math problem to create this ethereal coin out there. That's what basically Bitcoin or any proof of work system is. Proof of stake systems are, you know, basically I have what the stake is. I'm rich in that stake and that's Ethereum now. And for, for any other proof of stake system and you stake it 
So you all of a sudden have it. In other words, if you're already rich in whatever that stake is, you can create, you know, whatever that coin is. That's not what this is. This is using stuff actually from the earth, okay, to back Kinesis. That's how Kinesis is different. And I wanted to show you an article. All right, back to the main point of the program. Wages are crashing over time. They are not keeping up. If you use an apples to apples comparison to the 1980s way of measuring inflation, the government has been un understating inflation chronically for about 40 years, and it's gotten more understated over time. Uh, if you want to know how that is, you can find my book on Amazon. I'm not trying to basically get you guys to buy it, but in, in chat, reading chapter two alone, even though that book now is about 13 years old, uh, I published it in 2010. The chapter two, that 50 page where I explain how CPI is understated and how a lot of the other government metrics are, are, are not correct, will teach you don't rely on the government numbers alone. You've got to look at reality. And what is reality? Gold is reality. Gold tells you how much your currency, the fiat dollar, has been debased over time. And how do you get fiat dollars? Through your labor and through the value that you bring to society. So that basically means over time, the government is or the, the central bank by printing so many dollars is basically stealing the value of your labor over time. How do you maintain that? Well, it's gold and it's little brother, silver. That's over time. Gold is more stable day-to-day, month-to-month. Silver is more over longer period timeframes. It's a more volatile asset. That's how you do it. But that's the data. The only solution for crashing wages is gold and it's little brother, silver. If you're storing it in fiat, you're storing it in the stock market, you have to go get the real inflation numbers and then discount the value of those, those uh, assets or investments. And then all of a sudden you realize you didn't really make anything. You probably lost a bunch of money. And when it just comes to wages and wage power, wages since the 70s have been crashing compared to the value of the dollar, which means the only way to save that is in gold or in silver. Quick little research project for you there, but vastly important. If you ever want to know why to hold gold and silver, I just gave you probably the best reason of all. It stores value over time. Silver has a 6,000 year track record. Gold has almost 6,000, about 5,000 some year track record as monetary systems across the world. And with the BRICS currency uh, bringing a gold back, a digital cryptocurrency uh, with other nations, I think Zimbabwe has one of those. And with states and the union talking about that as well and submitting bills here in the United States, we may start seeing a lot of states and locales in the United States turning to a gold back, either cryptocurrency or a gold back currency. In other words, we're bringing back gold backing to the monetary system and it's going on everywhere. Why? Because people's lifestyles is crashing. The dollar's on its way out. Everybody's de-dollarizing. Okay. Everybody's dropping the dollar across the world. That's what's going on. And I'm not your financial advisor. We'll, you know, we'll put the banner up on screen. We do not offer financial legal advice. Please do your own due diligence. Consult a financial advisor before making any decisions. Don't rely on my information. I have to put that here. I'm not your financial advisor. That being said, I think you get the gist of it. The only way to save your purchasing power over time is in the precious metals. Thank you, everybody, for joining the program. This has been your host, Rob Keens at GoldSilverPros.com. Stay tuned. We have a major, major, major announcement on Tuesday's live stream. When I say major, I mean major. It's going to be huge for us and I think huge for you. So join the live stream Tuesday. And before that, on Friday, every Friday, we put out the weekly market wrap. 
and we talk about what happened that week. What are the major data points? What are the major stories that you need to be aware of? And then we talk about how that could affect gold and silver. And we go over all the details of the gold and silver markets for you at that time. So if you want to know about gold and silver and you want to know where gold and silver is going to go because of all that other information that I just said, stay tuned every Friday for the weekly market wrap up right here on this channel. Thank you guys so much for joining the program. This has been your host, Rob Keats. God bless you. Have a good evening and I will see you soon. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.